Good to see everybody and welcome to worship. All the adult classes are still meeting, so I know Dr. Abbott is still doing his class through August. I know Mrs. Austin is going to do the parables, and I want to say up front, we tried to send information out. I apologize on a cross-up. I was announcing it was a class open for everybody to join. It's really a class open for all other women who aren't involved. It's still a women's class. She's just continuing Miss McFadden's class. And so, men, I'm sorry. If you want to hear about the parables, you can listen underneath the door. You can stand there and just kind of listen what's going on. But uh, no, that is a, still a ladies' class. We say that not to exclude the men, but to say, women, you still do have a class for those of you who are wanting a women's class. And she'll be doing that uh, through the summer. And it may extend into another class as is seen needed. Uh, and then also Jack is still doing the class downstairs uh, with lament and stuff. So we still have everything for adults and our children moving through the summer. So we do want you to enjoy your vacation, but do know that we are here all summer long expounding on the Word of God in our classrooms for our children, and that's exciting to know. So you'll see this finally, the, the breakfast this coming Saturday, men. It is our week for the breakfast. I'm going to take just a few moments this Saturday to expound on First Samuel. That is what the men will be studying this fall. We've been studying through the Reformed Expository Series. They're Bible studies for adults, and uh, we've been challenging our men. Uh, to not just learn about the scriptures, but to learn how to apply them and to understand the Reformed faith just a little bit more and to do that with each other. So men, we encourage you. If you've never been a part of the men's study, you don't have to be there every week. If you're one of those thinking, well, I can't be there all the time, it's okay. Everybody gets a study book. It's a shared time together along with the teacher. We break up into groups. And so we encourage you to plug in and let iron sharpen iron so that we have an opportunity. Uh, there are no... Lone Rangers, self-taught, self-made, truly successful individual Christians, especially men in the Christian life. So men, the one thing that changes when we become part of the body of Christ is we realize we need each other. And so I encourage you men to reach out and to be a part of that same body that we offer here. So lots going on. Uh, we want you to be a part of those. I know when the fall comes up, we have our Sunday school classes that are Getting started up, we're working together for preschool classes, the children's classes. If you plan on teaching, if you were a teaching and helping, please let us know. We've tried to talk to several, uh, but we want to make sure that we have all the classes covered for the fall as we get going again in September. So lots taking place during the summer. Even though it seems like things have slowed down in vacation, we still have a lot going on here so that we'll be prepared for the fall when it starts. And so we appreciate all your prayers uh, for that as well. But we do want to mention a few prayer requests. You'll see them listed there. We didn't put lots in to begin with because we didn't know, but we were told to let you know. Harley and Carol went down to be at their lake with the family this past week, and Harley did fall. He broke and fractured his femur and had to have a rod put in. And so he's in rehab still in Fredericksburg. And so uh, it may be two weeks while they're down there before they can bring him back. But uh, she did want the church to know that he is up. He's in rehab. Uh, she's down there with them, but they've stayed down in Fredericksburg for a few weeks till he can, you know, come back up here. So that's the, the thrust of the prayer for that. So if you would please just remember them along with the other prayer requests that you'll see here that we list. Some of them are in there because they're ongoing and people are still making decisions. And so we encourage you to, to lift up and pray for your body, the, the body of Christ here. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'll lead us. And if you would join me in the Lord's Prayer in just a moment, you'll find that on the inside of the red hymn book if you need it, and you can follow along in prayer as we go forward. But let's take a moment and pray together. 
Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for all your blessings, that we are able to come and to worship, and Lord, to be able uh, to gather uh, in your presence. Father, the point of being here is not to say we can check it off our list, that we've observed the commandments, that we're being faithful and obedient to what people expect. Lord, we come because we want to be in your presence. We come because we want to be in the presence of the body. We come because it's the place we belong. It's the place you speak. It's the place you change our hearts and our minds. Lord, thank you for inviting us to be here, enabling us to come. And Lord, now we pray that you'll do that, that you'll change our hearts and minds while we're here, that we'll have a compassion for those that are in need. Lord, if we can be used to minister to others in these prayer requests that are here, Father, please use us as instruments of honor to bring glory to your name. And Lord, if it's for salvation, give us the burden to daily pray for the salvation of others that we know, Lord, as many seeds as we plant, as much work as we put into it, Lord, we know salvation is up to your son, Jesus Christ, to your will and your Holy Spirit's work in their hearts. So Father, as you bring them in, let us work together with you in this harvest. Father, again, we realize as we come, it's our own sins, not just others that we pray for. Father, we have fallen, we have failed, we have sinned, we've transgressed, we have unintentionally done things we shouldn't have done, and we've knowingly and intentionally broken the laws you've told us not to do. We need cleansing, we need forgiveness. So Lord, we come together as you've encouraged us in Hebrews to boldly come to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace in time of need. And so Lord, we come together, praying as you taught us, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our call to confession this morning comes from two verses in Isaiah chapter 30. So just listen as I read. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. And then verse 18. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. We come to him confessing our sins, and I invite you to pray along with me, which is taken directly from scripture, from Psalm 25. So let's pray this prayer out loud together. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble, 
and forgive all my sins. Amen. Again, we come humbly to the Lord, and then we look up as he promises to us these great promises from John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Brothers and sisters, look to Jesus again today for your assurance, for your forgiveness, for your standing with God, and be encouraged that he has taken your sins away through the death of his Son on the cross. As we prepare to give now our tithes and offerings, let's pray together. Lord, you are good. You are the provider of everything, all things material, all things spiritual, uh, friendships, blessings, fellowship, all these good things that you give to us freely, the things that we so desperately need. And now in worship and in humility and independence, we give back to you some of what you've given to us, and we say that we trust you and that we uh, trust you to continue to provide for our individual needs, uh, for our families, for our church, for our missionaries, and for all that you would do. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Thank you again to our music team in, in helping lead us and prepare each week and prepare our hearts. If you'll turn to the book of Hebrews, if you're visiting with us, we've been working through Hebrews. I will challenge you this morning to prepare your heart for the Lord's Supper later on this morning as we share together. Uh, we will prepare our hearts to receive the sacraments of the Lord's Supper. But in Hebrews chapter 5, we pick up here this morning dealing with the high priest. We have learned that we have this high priest that is greater than every other person they have been able to compare themselves to. So this morning, I would honestly tell you up front, as we prepare our minds to make those same comparisons, that maybe you're at a place in your life where you too are making comparisons with Jesus and everything else in your life. You're trying to make the comparison as to whether or not you really want to trust him or whether you want to trust what it is you've always had. Do I want to trust him with all that I owe, my finances? Am I going to tithe? Am I going to trust? Am I going to turn it over to him? Or am I going to trust in my own job, my own efforts, my own abilities? Am I going to trust him with all the guidance that he gives me in scriptures to go against the grain of society? Am I going to think about others before I think about myself, or am I constantly going to put myself first, because then I know at least I'm taken care of? Or maybe I just need to realize, if I compare him to the leadership of this world, am I truly going to trust the king that is not of this world, who's reigning over the world, the right hand of the Father? 
Or am I going to trust the political affiliates, the locally chosen kings, and those that we choose to rule over us here? Well, I'm not sure where you are, what choices you have to make. But the writer of Hebrews has put a sermon to us that said, if you're going to have to make a choice, choose Jesus. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the angels. He's even greater than Aaron. You could imagine putting that into a context, speaking to Jewish people, telling them that this Jesus, who didn't even come from the tribe of Levi, is declared a high priest greater than Aaron. Today, that is one of the biggest stumbling blocks for the Jewish people today as they wrestle with following Jesus Christ. You may not understand that, but one of the hardest decisions they have to make is where in the Bible does it teach us that the high priest is allowed to come from outside the tribe of Levi? For they are still looking for two separate individuals, one that would be a Messiah in the sense of a deliverer, a king, and one who would reign, and one who would be a priest, one who would present them to God, provide the sacrifices they need, and would come from the lineage of Levi. Now you realize why it's important for you to know your Bible. Because if you're going to witness to others, you're going to have to be able to explain how Jesus is superior to Aaron. And though he is king of kings, he is high priest from a better order. All that comes as it begins in chapter 5. Follow along with me as I take you on a journey through a few short verses as we prepare our hearts. It begins in verse 1 of chapter 5. Every high priest, speaking about those even here on earth, we're talking about Aaron. Every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. To offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when, God, when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, that one was first was from Psalm 2, this one from Psalm 110. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. And although he was a son, learned obedience through what he suffered. Being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. There's several things I want to share with you. I'll give them to you up front. You can write them down, follow along as we go. First of all, when it comes to the high priest, they must be selected from men, mankind. They must be selected from men, someone who could relate to them, understand what they've gone through. 
Number two, they must not be selected by men. The priests and the leaders were not selected from amongst themselves. They were selected by God. And thirdly, they were selected on behalf of men to represent them to God. And oh, what a difference that makes. I won't preach you an entire sermon on the ordained offices because that's where we're headed. For those of you praying about serving and someone is nominating you, that means they've been praying about you. They're nominating, listen to the. We're trying to find those who are called by God to represent the church, to serve us before the Father. It's a special position. It's lifelong. For those of you who've been ordained in the Presbyterian church, it's not just for two or three years. It's not just a stint of time because we have a need. It's a calling to represent the body of Christ for as long as you live. Now here we get a chance to see the importance of even in ministry as pastors. I could preach a whole nother sermon on what it means to be called by God to be a minister. If I had the freedom that some of you have to switch jobs and to make changes and to go different places, how free I would be. But for many who never understand why it is you do what you do for as long as you do and put up with what you do is because you realize it's not just a job. It wasn't just something you wake up and say, I want to do. Some have. In just the 30 years of pastoring, I couldn't count how many men I have met of pastors who have become, I'm not saying for good or bad reason, financial advisors, insurance salesmen, architectural engineers, electrical engineers, builders, money balancers, exchange rate contariers, international business. It's amazing how many people who are in the ministry have left the ministry to make it better somewhere else. You ask yourself, well, wait a minute. Were you just doing it because it was a what? A job. Or why or what or did God call you? Well, I'm not challenging you and where you are, but folks, even for your career that you're serving now, I wouldn't want to put it on the same level as a high priest, but I would say to each and every one of you, when you were created by God, men, you were created by God to glorify him through the toil and the working of the earth, through the things that you do, to the glory that's provided. We live in a world that's changed that. I'm going to preach to you in a moment about a high priest, but a high priest is to represent us before God. We must understand who we are. We live in a world today where roles are changing quickly. I'm not here to suppress that women should not work. Please do not leave and, and leave this place saying that's what Pastor Jerry said. And I'm not saying that men should not be at the home more often and helping out. It's been wonderful through the pandemic to see how many men have had to adjust to fatherhood instead of workhood. It's been amazing how many women have had to readjust to the person they were married to and didn't realize it. It's been amazing how many children realized there was more than one person in the home at a time. Folks, the family has been challenged tremendously through all this. But it goes right along with everything else in which the roles of reversal just keep saying it doesn't matter who raises them or how they're raised or where they're raised or what it has to take or where they go. It doesn't matter what school they're a part of, if you homeschool or not homeschool. It doesn't matter if it's the dad who works or the mom who works. It doesn't matter it's whoever makes the most money who can ever. Folks, those are not true statements to Scripture. We are called by God 
to demonstrate a priestly home, to demonstrate the godly home as the unit that makes up the church. Today, when I speak to you about a high priest, men specifically, I say to you, I hope you represent your home. I hope you have offered the sacrifice to cover your family. There is so much you are responsible for as we learn about the high priest. For if you have children, I can tell you this, you have been called by God to be a father. There's no question to that. So this morning as we learn about the high priest, let's begin, first of all, they're selected from among the men. They must be selected from men. For every high priest chosen is from among men. Why is that? We're told so that they can have this compassion, this relationship, this understanding of what's going on as a man. To have someone represent them has to have someone that understands them. So it's beginning to tell us it is the chosen from among us. So that brings up the question right away. Why does the author want us to know how Jesus fits? He tells us why it is important that Jesus himself was chosen by God. Listen to this word from Psalm 2. You are my son. If you wanted to be uh, above and beyond everybody to talk about his eternal quality, he could say, you are my word. You've always been my word. You were the word in the beginning. But he said, you are my son. You are the one that is only begotten. You are the one that has become man, fully human, fully qualified to relate to my children, who could fully understand what they're going through, who would be fully tempted and tried the ways that we have been tempted and tried. It begins to put an understanding into the context when it says every man is chosen from among them. Look at verse 2. To deal with them, the ignorant and the wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. The problem here is this. We're not dealing with one who is in the weakness of sin. We now have a high priest greater than Aaron. Why? Because we have one who is not beset with weakness. We have the comparison of the one who was actually chosen by God in the line of Melchizedek. And listen to verse 7. In his flesh he offered up the prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Folks, he's the same thing as what he's learning about showing gentleness and compassion as an earthly priest would do. But listen to the difference. He is able to save them from death, and he was heard because of his reverence to offer eternal salvation. He was made perfect, folks. It wasn't because Jesus was imperfect. It was through the trials and the temptations that made the will of the Father, the mission of Jesus, perfect. Tontelios, complete in its, in its finish. Jesus wasn't with weakness and sin and had to prove that he could be forgiven. Jesus was perfect and had to demonstrate perfect obedience in order for the will to be accomplished at the cross. In being made perfect, it was the same thing as if we were to put the word and being shown perfect. He has been through the trials. He's been through the tests. He has shown his perfection in making it complete. He never gave in, never gave up. Why would you want an earthly person to represent you when you have one who has been chosen from among us? Jesus, fully human, able to represent us. He does know what you're going through. It's a reference to the... Garden of Gethsemane in verse 7 when he's pleading his case with the Father. 
To say that he doesn't understand the temptation of wanting to turn from the will of the Father and to live in disobedience means we don't understand the context. Folks, when we're being tempted by sin, it's not to get us to do one individual act. It's not that if you just give in to one act, okay, that's what Satan wanted to prove, that you were not a faithful driver, didn't obey the speed limit, that you couldn't handle your drinks and that you were an alcoholic, that you couldn't handle your temper and you became abusive. That you couldn't hold your tongue and you're a liar. It wasn't that he was going after just one characteristic. You know what he was wanting to just prove? Is that you don't deserve to be a high priest. Because you're no different than Aaron. You're a sinner yourself. You turned from the obedience of the Father. You've inherited a guilt nature. You're unable to withstand and to perfect the trials and temptations that come. You're not going to make it to the finish line on your own. You're not going to finish the race. You're not going to become all things to all people as Paul tried to be. You see, you put all those together and we realize what we need is a high priest greater than Aaron. Someone who has overcome the weaknesses. Someone who doesn't fall into the traps of temptation and sin. And maybe you're here today to say to yourself, well, I tried the church. It didn't help. I've been in churches that have fallen apart. I've seen how people in the churches live. I've seen how they treat each other. I've seen how they've turned their backs on each other. I've seen how they think they're better than everybody else. I've seen how they're hypocritical in their lifestyle. Folks, all you've really said in that whole journey was this. Well, when I went to church, I put my faith in what? The people. That's not fair. Because the high priest doesn't reside from amongst us. That would be like having another Aaron. We would have to sacrifice for our own sins. We'd have to confess our own faults. We'd have to stand amongst each other and say, look, I'm no better than you. I'm just one with you on the journey. But we have a high priest qualified because he was chosen from among men. Fully human. The word became flesh. Mark it down. Write it in your Bibles. John 1:14. And the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld him, the only begotten of God, full of grace and truth. That's why he qualifies to be in the line of a priesthood, because he was from man. But it wasn't just that he was selected from men. He was not selected by them. There wasn't anyone. Can you remember in the stories of all the gospels and the narratives of the people who said, oh, let's just make this Jesus guy our king. You know, he's wandering around helping people. Let's just make this guy our priest. Let's just pick this one guy. He seems different than everybody else. Let's just pick him because I think he'd be a special one. It wasn't the people who chose God. It wasn't the people who chose Jesus. It wasn't the people who wanted him. Do you remember when Jesus came to this world, we were told that he was despised and rejected by his own. It wasn't the people who chose Jesus. It was God. He was from the plan at the beginning. The reason he's the great high priest is because we realize not only is he qualified because he's fully human, but he was chosen by another, appointed by God. Maybe you need to realize the same thing, that you're wrestling with life because all of your decisions are getting the guidance of only earthly people. Your pastor has the best advice of anybody in town, but it doesn't compare if he can't point you to the scriptures and give you the truth. Because even the advice of your pastor, your Sunday school teacher, your deacon or elder, 
will never compare to what God has given us in his word. You need to be pointed to the high priest. You need to be pointed to the one who has the answers. The one who truly understands. The one goes beyond what you've confessed. You see, for most of us, we find that help within the body of Christ because we have shared from our hearts that which we want them to know. But we never share with them the hurts we don't want them to know. And yet we have a high priest who's able to know our hearts and able to know our minds. Yes, he was chosen because he was a man, but he was also appointed by God. It takes us on the journey here that's very important for us to understand when it says he can deal gently, this priest can, because of the ignorant and the wayward, verse 2. Folks, I wouldn't go into all the details. I'll let you go back and learn from Numbers chapter 15, Hebrews chapter 10, 26. Later on in the book tells us the same thing. If you go on sinning willfully after having a knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins. Boy, is that not point blank? It comes from the book of Numbers, chapter 15. You can go back and read it when they're setting up the whole opportunity for sacrifices and how the system will work. They had two types of sins. They had the unintentional sins that you could bring a sacrifice for. And Numbers, chapter 15, lays that out. That if you sin, as the writer here says it, as one who was wayward or ignorant, one who wasn't aware that they were sinning, or one that was led astray by someone else who wasn't aware of what was going on, you're still a sinner. Folks, even if you're doing wrong and you don't know you're doing wrong, you're still wrong. You're still wrong. And God says, but I have a plan for that. You can bring a sacrifice, and the priest can offer a, a, a bull for himself and then a goat for the people. He'll take two of them and put the blood of one on the altar, and he'll take the other and separate it and let it be escaped into the wilderness, known as the what? The scapegoat. One would be the sacrifice for the life is in the blood, and the other would be the one who would take our sins as far as the east is from the west, and our sins would be no more. There were sins that could be dealt with because they were unintentional. The scary part of it is there's also in the same chapter for the sins that were intentional, the ones with a high hand. God, I know what you want, but I'm going to do otherwise. I know what you said, but I'm doing it my way. You said this was best, but I've got a better plan. I know what's the truth, but I've got a better way. For the one who committed the sins of a high hand, there was no sacrifice. If you're left in the hands of an earthly priest, and you're here this morning, I won't ask you to raise your hand. I'll ask you to wink at me. <laughs> How many of you have sinned intentionally? If you put your faith in a high priest from the earth, you are left in your sins and you deserve judgment. There's no sacrifice for the reprobate who willfully turn and run from God. But thank God we have a great, great priest. Thank God that we have a high priest that's greater than Aaron. Thank God that we have someone who's not beset with all the weaknesses that the earthly priesthood has been beset with. 
Thank God that he's not like all the people we have trusted in on this earth. Because even those that we so much adore and so much admire seem to always find at some point a time that lets us down. A reminder that we should place our faith in him, not in others. So back to the point when he says the ignorant and the wayward, they are beset with these weaknesses. And so we need a sacrifice for sins. And that offering would be brought in, as we've already said, and you know the story. Somebody would have to sacrifice themselves or what they have in order for their life to be spared. And the problem was that it's all foreshadowing, looking forward to a time in which we didn't have to do this anymore. For us to go back to an understanding, again, in a dispensational figure where a temple is going to be rebuilt in the middle of Israel and sacrifices are going to be resumed and offerings are going to be brought. And at the end of time, in the reigning of Jesus, over all these sacrifices, folks, time out. Is or is not the high priest and his sacrifice once for all time? And if that is true... And why would we ever want to bring sacrifices to the Lord? Paul summarizes it in Romans 12 when he says, You are a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. The problem with living sacrifices is many times we get up off the altar. You've heard that many a times. God begins to work in our hearts. He begins to shape us. We say, Lord, take me. I'm yours. I surrender to your lordship. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I cannot do this on my own. My sacrifice falls short. My sins overwhelm me. My weaknesses have held me back. I will never make it to heaven on my own. I need your son, Jesus Christ. Send your Holy Spirit. Strengthen my heart. Convict me of my sins. Help me choose your son, Jesus Christ. And let me see the truth of scriptures. And let me go forward. I need you. Have you ever been there? The problem of it is... For so many of us, we say that, and then we get back up off the altar as if we laid there long enough, and now it's time to go. We never let God finish crucifying the flesh. And this morning, you're here because there are still parts of your heart that have not been circumcised. There are still parts of your life that have yet to have been crucified. And every time you start to go forward to finish, Satan reminds you that you don't have the covering of the great, great priest because you're still trusting in earthly ways and not Jesus Christ. And so the writer reminds us, not only is it someone who must be chosen from men, not chosen by themselves or amongst the men themselves, but someone who was chosen on behalf of the men. Catch this. They would become mediators between men and God. The problem we have today is so many of us want to become mediators between people and other people, between people and their businesses, between people and their spouses, between people and their friends. We want to become the mediators because we think that we have all this reconciling energy to solve all the problems in the world, and we lose sight of the fact that the main thing, even as Christians, of being ministers of reconciliation is that we ought to be focused on reconciling people to who? To God. If you're not reconciled to God, you're not going to reconcile anything else. It's never going to be right in any other way. You can't expect our marriages to be healed 
if God's not the center of them. We can't expect our children to be brought up and live godly life if God's not the center of them. We can't expect our work to bring about the glory of God if the employees aren't striving together in Christ. You can pick whatever area you want. Even the church cannot be a beacon of light if Christ is not the center of our lives. Who is this great high priest? They bring the sacrifice and the gifts to God for men. There was someone who was chosen because he was a man. He was qualified and appointed to be the high priest from the order of Melchizedek. You'll find out that later more on in chapter 7. It was come to its brevity. You may not understand what that is, but again, Jesus fulfills the two roles. Jesus was not from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of what? Judah. That's why he was able to be what? King. And isn't it amazing that we have someone who is qualified to be king and from the order of Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the high priest of the most high God back in Genesis, we now have this order that is greater than Abraham because even Abraham paid tithes to him. And if you don't understand this, Levi was the tribe later on that came after Abraham. So if Abraham is greater than Levi and Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, then obviously Melchizedek is greater than Aaron. That's the whole logic of it all. The one who pays the price to the next. And we have one who is qualified not only to be king, but to come from Melchizedek, which is a priesthood that lasts how long? Forever. Please understand that this morning. I know they're confusing verses, but in a nutshell, it's just saying, folks, realize this morning, there has been someone who has been chosen among men, Jesus Christ. And he was also chosen and appointed by God to do the work. And the work that he was appointed to do was to mediate the relationship between you and God. So that you could come into his presence, that you would not be judged, and that you would have what's known as everlasting life. Because without this high priest in his mediation, which was perfect, the reason that is important is how can someone who is imperfect teach you what to do that which is perfect? I remember the first time my soccer coach in college, I've shared many a times, came to tell me about his career. He was from the Northeast. And I said, well, Coach Gustafson, what sport did you play growing up? And he said, rugby. I said, well, what did you do as you got older in college? He said, I played lacrosse. I said, well, when did you start playing soccer? He said, never. My college coach, who I fell in love with, who became one of our greatest coaches and led us to the national tournaments. We won all kinds of stuff, struggled. And I finally realized why there would be times when he would say this. Look, I can't show you how to do it, but I expect you to be able to do it. He would say that to us on the soccer field. You had to juggle 250 times for the tryouts. You'd have to run two and a half miles in 15 minutes. And he couldn't do those things. But he still what? Expected you. But how much difference... When one of my coach, Andre Zarbkusen, came to us, who played European soccer, and would start showing us how to kick banana kicks, how to bend the ball, how to knuckle swirl it, how to hold it, how to be able to spin it around. He was so different when you had a coach that could what? Demonstrate and show you what they wanted for you. There is no one in this world 
who is able to demonstrate and show you the perfect holiness God wants for you. Oh, there are people that are close. Do you know anybody that's that close? But there is one who is perfect. There is one who can demonstrate and show you every move, everything necessary, and be 100% successful. And he's the high, high priest, Jesus Christ. And that's why in verse 7, he offered up prayers and supplications, and they were heard. To be saved from death, I had a person tell me one time, well, obviously God didn't hear his prayers because Jesus what? He died. If he's praying for God to deliver him from death, then why didn't he deliver him from death? And folks, do you not realize what you're saying? The prayer wasn't to help me escape from death or to avoid death. The prayer was to help me what? Be saved from the death. That there would not be this separation between me and the Father, that there would, this agony would not exist forever, that there would not be this torment, there would not be this second death that some would call in Revelation. And God did answer his prayers because even though he went to death and he went to the grave, what happened? He rose again and the prayer was answered and he was saved from what? Death. And what you don't realize is in that act alone, your high priest just did something for you that was amazing. For anyone in obedience, listen to what it says in verse 9, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for everyone who obey him. To put your faith in him, to do what he told you to do, and to trust him. Now catch this. There is no second death. There's no fear of the torments of ever having to do what Jesus did and say, my God, my God, why hast thou what? Forsaken me. That's what Jesus didn't want to go through. Folks, it would be wrong to say Jesus didn't want to die, that Jesus didn't want to accomplish his father's plan, that Jesus didn't want to go to the finish, that he didn't want to do what he was sent here to do from the day he was born. They called him Jesus because he would what? Save his people from what? Their sins, which means he would go to the cross. He would be crucified. He would face the agony. He would take on our sins. We would take the one who knew no sin to become our sin. We would take the righteous in the place of the unrighteous. That was part of the plan. Jesus wasn't asking, Father, just help me escape this. He didn't want to be forsaken. Yet, Father, if there is any other way, if not, what? And because he was forsaken, the old saying goes, he took our hell so we could be a part of his heaven. And this morning you realize that my great, great high priest, Jesus, is the only one who could take my hell so I could go to his heaven. Because he just conquered second death. Never to be forsaken by God. And through his resurrection, he also proved you didn't have to fear the first death. So you no longer live in fear with the great, great priest. Because you don't have to fear the first death. Because you know you're going to be resurrected again. And you don't have to fear the second death. Because there will never be judgment and forsakenness. Because Christ paid 
for the price. Oh, just how do we compare these two? You want to put Aaron and Jesus side by side? The writer simply says, Jesus is the greater high priest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, please forgive us. Father, help us to realize that he hung on the cross. He endured the suffering. He was torn from you. He took our sins, our judgment, so that we could be set free so that our guilt could be taken away. Lord, I pray if there is anyone in this room that is saying, I want to go to heaven. I want to spend eternity with the Father. I love Jesus. That your Holy Spirit would touch their hearts and they would be able to say, I want Jesus as my high priest today. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want a high priest who can represent me to God. Father, I pray that you will establish us, prepare us, and get us ready to receive the grace you have for us here this morning. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to do something a little different. I invite you to take your bulletin. We're going to sing our way through the Lord's Supper. You will see that printed in your bulletin. We're going to sing the first stanza together, and I'm going to invite those who will be helping to take the Lord's Supper out and distribute it to come at the end of that first verse. And then we're going to ask you just to remain seated while we sing until the end. As we distribute the elements, our music team will help lead us through the different parts of it. But before we start, let us just remember there's only one high, high priest. And without his body and blood, you still face judgment forever. Take your bulletin, remain seated, and sing with us as a prayerful tone as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. Take a moment and read. And as they're distributing these elements this morning, please listen as Paul writes them. He says, what do you do if you come to eat or drink? Do you not despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus on that night when he took, was betrayed took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of
of me. And as they begin to pass these elements out, please take one and hold it. I'm going to read something, and then in a moment we will sing together while you're seated. The second stanza as we go. Go ahead, you can pass that out. In Hebrews, we're studying the importance of the blood and the body of Christ and the sacrifice when Christ appeared as the great high priest for the good things that have come. And then through a greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of blood goats or calves, but by the means of his own blood, securing eternal redemption. Take a moment, and before we sing, I want you to think about your great high priest. It's not what you have to offer. It's not what you've accomplished. It's what Jesus Christ gave for you. As you take the Lord's Supper, you take this to confess him until he comes again. Take a moment. Let me pray for us. And then we're going to sing the second stanza while we finish passing it out. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your son. That through his obedience, both active and passive, what he allowed to happen to him at the cross, what he endured willingly as he lived, the Lord, that would bring it to completion, that the plan would be made perfect, that he would be the great, great high priest, that he would provide the sacrifice we need for eternal salvation. That we would know without a doubt, no matter what sin we commit now, Lord, even intentionally, we now have this grace that covers us because it's based on your promises and not our works. And because of that, we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing with me the second verse before we partake together. He said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. As they're passing out the drink, again, please hold it until we can take together. And let me read again from the same passage. If the blood of the goats and the bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer could sanctify for the purification of the flesh... How much more 
will the blood of Christ, who through eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. He said, how much more will this purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? If what we have to offer in this world makes us feel good, how much greater the sacrifice of Jesus to prepare us for what's needed in heaven? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we know that it is only through the sprinkling of your Son's blood across the altar there in heaven that he would come to the cross, that he would shed that blood, and that it would cover us, that he would not offer a lamb, but would become the Lamb of God, that we would place our faith and our trust in him, that we would trust him as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then we would trust him as our high priest who is our sacrifice forever. Lord, the comfort of knowing that he's given all that is necessary and he reigns over everything we'll ever need brings us to the throne of grace in time of need. Father, forgive us again, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. While they're finishing passing out the drinks, if you would please sing with me the third stanza of the blood. simply said this, for as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats of the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let each person examine himself and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. He took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the grace. I thank you for our body. I thank you for our church. I thank you for helping each and every one of us come to you. Lord, I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. And all God's children said, have a great Lord's day.